0: I claim on earth what's coming from heaven to be here any day. Oh, I can taste tears promise that is coming my way. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Growing in God's Word podcast with Dr. Jim and Joy McInnes. Our purpose is to bring to you encouraging teachings that will help you grow in your understanding of the Word of God. Yes, this is Dr. Jim McInnes here today. Uh, Joy's not with today, but I just want to share uh, this message with you from Ecclesiastics 11. It says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. Now get this, He has planted eternity in the human heart. My subject here is, where will you spend eternity? Every person understands intuitively that he's an eternal creature. We're going to go through some of that. And we see that by the way some people believe what's going to happen in the future. They believe such things as, as reincarnation and things. Why? Because something inside them says there's more to life than this. And while we may suppress the knowledge of it, It may think, oh no, I don't know, I'm not thinking about the future. Inside, something inside knows that we are made to live more than just this life. Even a child understands this. I remember years ago when my children were small and they crawl into bed and I keep my eyes shut pretending I'm sleeping and they try to wake me up by poking and punching me and finally they get to my eyes and they pry open an eye and one of them sat and looked at me in the eye and said, are you in there daddy? (laughs) What are they saying? They're saying they understood there's more to daddy than just that body. Where's daddy? the personality, who you are, the living soul. And this is exactly I want to talk about today. I want to talk about it because it's very important. There's part of you that live forever. A pastor was visiting an older man down here in Florida, and the pastor said, at your age, you should be thinking about the hereafter. The older man replied, oh, I do all the time, no matter where I am. In the living room, upstairs, in the kitchen, or down in the basement, I ask myself, where am I hereafter? (laughs) Well, how many know that's not the hereafter we're talking about? We're talking about eternity. How long is eternity? Well, it baffles our mind. Uh, Let's just take a little illustration. Um, A billion. Politicians like to talk about billion. And let's say... Next time you hear them say a billion, now they say a trillion, but just a billion. You know that a billion seconds ago, it was 1989. A billion minutes ago, Jesus was walking the earth. A billion years ago, we're at the very beginning of time. Now it's, it's amazing how much a billion is. And yet, when a billion years has gone in eternity, eternity has just begun when i traveled to high schools and places with my buddy bill and playing guitar singing there was an old folk song and it talked about a bird that would go on one side of the ocean over to europe and maybe far down to asia and it would take one grain of sand just one grain of sand once every thousand years and bring it back to america Then it would take one grain of sand from America and South America and move it to the other continents. And the song goes that after the bird had moved all the sands from America overseas and all the overseas sand to America, eternity has gone by one day. It also said that same bird went on the tallest mountain. That would probably be Everest. And once every thousand years, it would just sharpen its beak against a stone. And after that whole mountain had worn down by once every thousand years, the bird sharpening its beak on that rock mount, rocky mountain, eternity has gone by just one day. You see, eternity is something we need to consider because it is on unbelievably long we can't even comprehend it so my question is a billion years from now where will you be you will be somewhere and we're going to look at the places you know uh, on a more humorous side but but brings the point out for me there was a couple that was going to go from north of Oklahoma down to Florida for a long weekend to thaw out because They were getting the icy winter. We have this, we call them the snowbirds here. And because they both had jobs, they had difficulty flying at the same time. So the husband went first. And when he had checked into the motel, he opened his laptop and wrote his wife a greeting that he was safe and all that uh, on an email. However, he accidentally left off one letter in her address. So it went to the wrong person. In Houston, a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral. He was a pastor many years who had gone home to glory. The widow, widow checked her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends. Upon reading the first message, she fainted. And the widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and looked at the computer screen. It said this, "'To my loving wife, from your departed husband.'" Subject, I have arrived. Message, I've just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey was uneventful as mine. P.S. It's sure hot down here. Well, we may smile, and I can understand why she fainted. But everyone listening here. Everyone on earth will spend eternity somewhere, and it's going to be a long time. That's an understatement. God has given every man a short time here on earth to prepare for eternity, and what they decide in this life will determine where they spend eternity. And there's only two choices. Only two choices. Hebrews nine twenty-seven says this, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ is offered once to bear the sins of many. That's you. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin and for salvation. The living says he will come again not to deal with our sins, because he did that the first time he came on the cross but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So where will I spend eternity? Man offers lots of ideas, but what are the real choices? It's interesting that 73% of Americans believe in heaven. They disagree on how to get there because there's different ideas and religions here. But 73 believe that there's a heaven. Again, I go back to how God put eternity in our heart. It's amazing. 73% believe in an afterlife in heaven. The U.S. News and World Report cover story called Hell Hath No Fury revealed that 64% of Americans believe there's a hell. That kind of amazed me. Now, what was really uh, surprising in the poll was that more Americans believe in hell today than they did in the 1950s. Or even 10 years ago. More and more people are believing in a hell. Why is that? Well, part of that is because we see evil on our TV. We, see, we know there has to be a consequence. If we believe in a just God, there has to be consequences. But the debate... Today, is not really if hell exists, but what it is and how long it will last. Well, I'll give you a hint. It's eternity. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, many of you know him from the Narnia series, and, and he was a great Christian scholar. And C.S. Lewis wrote that one time he uh, saw a gravestone inscription that read, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and nowhere to go. Lewis quietly replied, I bet he wishes that were so now. You see, there is a place to go. Where are we going to go? Is it reincarnation? I met a lady who came to our church one time and she said she was going to come back as a wolf. I don't know why she wants to come back as a wolf. Others say, I'm coming, they come, believe they come back as a cow or come back with something, an an animal. I don't understand why an, an animal, but some believe they come back as other lives. But the Bible says, like, you know, kings and things like that. But the Bible says, we read it, it's appointed unto man once to die. The Bible doesn't say it's appointed unto man to die many times, to go through many reincarnations or many lives, or come back as animals, or other lives. No, it says it is appointed unto man once to die. We read the verse in Hebrews. We die physically once. And after that, the judgment, the word judgment means the courts of God, the courts. There's no second chance to get it right. Death is permanent. And like Newsweek printed an article... You know, our government sometimes doesn't quite know it's permanent, do they? Because it was a letter written to a person from the Greenville County in South Carolina. The Department of Social Services wrote, To whom it may concern, your food stamps will be stopped effective immediately because we have received notice that you've passed away. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstances. Well, death is irreversible. When you cross over there's no coming back. What about purgatory? This is a false doctrine based basically on, uh, from Maccabees, uh, some books that are between the Old Testament and New Testament. And it's a false doctrine that believes that when I die, I must be tormented. And here's the problem. I am a child of God. I'm destined to be a joint heir with Christ. He died for me. He took my sins, my mistakes. He's, and God doesn't want to torture his children. Remember, the Bible said here in 2 Corinthians 5a, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means when you die, you are present with the Lord. There's no in-between. A Spanish theologian in the late Middle Ages once argued that the average Christian spends 1,000 to 2,000 years in purgatory. Some nowadays say it's less. I know the Pope has said if you followed him online, you got so many hundred years out of purgatory. But let me tell you, that is not true. There is only two places that we have eternity, and one is not purgatory. Purgatory. Think about Jesus at his crucifixion. He's crucified next to a criminal who mocks him, who swears at him, and then watching the way Jesus suffered and how he took it changes. And eventually the dying thief turns to Jesus in Luke 23 and he says this, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus answered him truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise because that day they both died and he said today there was not a thousand years there was not 500 years there was no years between before he could see his precious jesus now the other place we have here we talk is heaven to be present with the lord that's heaven to be absent from the bodies present with the Lord. No matter what you think heaven is, the greatest thing is that's where God lives. That's heaven. Within every person, every man, woman, and child, there's a yearning for living in peace, tranquility, happiness, and total acceptance. And true peace and true acceptance can only be found in our heavenly home. I believe it to be a yearning of our God-given soul to return to its place of origin. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he also talks about, and the King James puts it, that uh, the place has many mansions. Well, what's that mean? Man, I got a big place in heaven. Well, then the NIV came, and many transla- most translations now say, it says, rooms. I have come. He says that my father's house are many rooms. The first time I read this, I thought, I've been robbed. My mansion's no longer there. I just get a, a room. But it's great if you understand the meaning of it. It's not, Jesus is not disputing size. He's not talking about size my wife would say if i had a mansion who'd clean it you know but it's not size what what it has to do with is that when uh, a child uh, married a son especially a son married the father in those days the older days they had tents most of them and they would just build onto the tent, or they'd build onto the house. They'd build an extra room. How many know it was more than a room? It was a living area. They had many things in it, depending upon uh, what class the people were. But this was the, what it meant when it says rooms. It means that we are his children, and we're invited to be in his home. In his home. Heaven is our home. And when the Bible says that there are many rooms, what God is saying, you get to be with me. You get to live with me. I'm inviting you to come and live in my place. And I've given you a place in the side there. There's there's your little place there, but it's connected to my house. And we are one family. Now, I know heaven's big, and I don't know what form it's going to take. But I know that's the intent of what he means when he says that. Jesus talked about it as being my father's house. It's our home. If you know Jesus Christ today, that's where you're going. That's where you're going to be. You're going to be at home with God. When a Christian dies, it's not just we, we long for streets of gold and big mansions. No, those, those, those don't matter much. How many know they lose their sparkle quickly, especially if you're living eternity the first billion years or even hundred years you get tired of it what you never get tired of is that your home is with god and he calls you by name and he loves you well let me go on here this is where god lives in heaven is a place filled with his presence his love his mercy his kindness there'd be no more sorrow no more pain it's a place where we, the saved, would live in the very presence of God. Second Corinthians 5 says this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present body. Boy, don't we? The older we get, the more weary it gets. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life notice he doesn't say swallowed up by death swallowed up by life yes we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the lord billy Graham once said what is heaven going to be like just as there's a mystery to hell there's also a mystery to heaven Yet I believe the Bible teaches that both are literal places. I'm not worried about where they are because I know where Jesus is and he told me to meet him there. Now, getting to what Billy Graham talked about, there is hell too. It's a literal place. He was, it was, hell was not originally made for people. It was a place prepared for Satan and his angels. Jesus said in Matthew twenty five forty one. Then he will also say, this is on the judgment day, He will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which have been prepared for the devil and his angels. It was designed as a place of eternal punishment for Satan and his demonic followers. Hell is not a place that God created out of anger and frustration with man. Hell's a place where people are allowed to, get this, live out the consequences of their own choices. They chose. And I'm going to explain that. Hell is an actual place. Jesus spoke about it many times. He actually spoke more of hell than heaven. Warning. The Bible speaks of it as a literal place filled with literal people. I believe our worst nightmare would not come close to the horrors of hell. Why is that? Because I believe of all the things that we have to describe hell, the greatest thing about hell is it is being gone from the presence of God. Second Thessalonians 1 9, they will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and His glorious power. Everything you know that comes from God, His goodness, His mercy, kindness, all those attributes that we identify that His character, who He is, will be gone. Strong's Concordance, which takes your Greek and Hebrew and explains it, says this of hell. It is the loss of all good, whether physical or spiritual. Hell is an awful place, and also especially awful because of its duration. There is no end. There are many people who believe hell is real, but they believe it will be short. But the Bible tells the opposite. Well, the renowned theologian D.A. Carson, my son's favorite theologian, He wrote, hell is not a place where people are consigned because they were pretty good blokes, but they just didn't believe in the right stuff. They're consigned there first and foremost because they defy their maker and want to be at the center of the universe. Hell is not filled with people who have already repented. Only God isn't gentle enough or good enough to let them in. It's filled with people who for all eternity still want to be the center of the universe, to persist in their God-defined rebellion, like the old song, I did it my way. But it's not so for those who believe in God, those who belong to God. The child of God cannot perish. It, in the second death that's what they call hell whatever form it takes we know it's separation and it's darkness uh, but what we do know uh, absolutely is that is that separation point and that's why it's called the second death and you and i that believe in christ have no part in that john six forty seven. for sure jesus said i tell you he who puts his trust in me has life that lasts forever John 10:28 I give them eternal life and they will never perish no one can snatch them from away from me. The scriptures say this is why Jesus went to the cross. He took our sin, our pain, and he took the penalty upon himself, the separation from God. He tasted of that separation from God for you and me. God is not cruel, but he's just. He's merciful, and in his mercy, he reaches out to us. And if you're listening here today, this might be God reaching out to you. And those that go to hell instead of heaven is because they reject God's deal. What was his deal? God says, I will die for you. I will take your place. What I want, require of you is you repent of your sin, and you accept my deal, my salvation i 'm not minimizing it by calling it a deal, but i 'm just putting it in everyday language. But if you want to go to hell i don 't know many people want to go there, but let's say you want to, you have to walk all the way around the cross. why? Because the Bible tells us in second peter three nine the Lord is not willing that any should perish. But then all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to spend eternity apart from him. He created us to spend eternity with him. That is his desire. How about you? Is it my way or his way? For hell is literally having it my way for eternity. C.S. Lewis again, he wrote, In the end there are just two kinds of people. Those who say to God, your will be done, and enter into the joy of the Lord. And those whom God says with tears, thy will be done, and lets them walk into the dark. Eternity's long. This is one life that we have to make choices. When I was in Sunday school, they had this uh, plaque on the wall that said, this one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Well, it's more than just done for him. It's receiving what he's done for us. Charles Spurgeon talked about a man who was a dying believer. And a friend came, and he said, Farewell, friend. I shall never see you again in the land of the living. The dying Christian replied, I shall see you again in the land of the living where I'm going. This is the land of the dying. You know, it's appointed on man to die once. And that, if you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know that you are going to be with him, don't think of heaven just as a place of celestial pleasure and great things. Think of it as a place which it's supposed to be, the way it should be preached. It's a home. It's family. It's, it's being part of that great eternal family with our Father, with, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And this is what God wants you to have. Well, I want to pray with you. And if you've never accepted Jesus, Pray a prayer. There's no special prayer, but there's certain elements that need to be included. The two basic ones would be repentance and acceptance. Repentance from our sins. Say, God, I've blown it. I've done wrong with my life. I've gone my own way and acceptance. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. Let's pray that. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, we've blown it so many times in our lives. Lord, you have, sinned that all, you have said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I've certainly done that. So, Lord, I repent of that sin. I turn direction. I no longer go that way, and I turn towards you. And I receive you today as my Savior. I ask you to come into my life, and I ask that I might, you might empower me to live my life for you from this day onward. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. I accept the work of the cross that was done for me. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. That was just a simple prayer, and if you prayed it, you're along, taking a first step on your way. Find a good church in your area that believes in the Bible. If you don't know of one, uh, we know some in our area and also uh, uh, contacts in Davao. We have many people listen from Davao and other places. If you don't know, just contact us. But most of you know people. You've got contact with people that you know uh, belong to a good church. Go and say, I want to live my life for Jesus. And let them uh, train you and disciple you. And if you know Jesus... We have a glorious hope, a glorious hope of being together with Jesus for eternity. Oh, the Bible says, "I has not seen, ear has not heard, not even entered into our imagination what God has prepared for us. He has such fantastic things prepared for his children. We cannot even begin to comprehend it. So with that thought, I want to say to you today, God bless you. And you be blessed. Father, come and fill me up. Let your spirit come. Rain down in my life. Flood me with your love. I claim on earth what's coming from heaven. To be here any day. Oh, I can taste his promise. That is coming my way.